Well, welcome back uh, to our study in the book of Proverbs. And um, it's always a joy for me to be here, especially teaching uh, the youth, young people. You know, your life is so very, very important, very important. And I pray that you, you know Christ early and that you serve him with all your heart, soul, mind and strength because you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And remember, when we study the book of Proverbs, that um, Jesus is, is like the incarnation of the book of Proverbs. He is wisdom. He is the word, God's final word. And the greatest thing you can do in this life is to know him. All right, we're in Proverbs chapter five, and uh, we're talking about how to stand against sin. Now, the general context, of course, is with regard to adultery. And adultery means someone from the outside coming in and dividing up a family, a, a man from his, from his wife, um, and then in that, breaking up the entire family. But the principles that we learn to avoid that particular sin apply to every kind of sin. So let's uh, go to Proverbs chapter five and we'll begin again in verse 15 and we'll read through the end of the chapter. Drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held with the cords of his sin. He will die for a lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for the wisdom that it brings to us. Oh Lord, your word is perfect, but we are not. We are not perfect in our hearing, our reading, our understanding, or our doing. And so, God, as we study this, we need your help. We need your grace, not only to proclaim it, but to live it. And Father, I pray, as always, for the young people who will be listening to this series. Please, dear God, that they would know you through knowing your son. They would delight in you, that they would be protected in that delight from all the wrong things in this world that might charm them. Father, please help. Help them, Lord. And I, I pray for their parents, that they would be godly and wise, that they would be instructed in the word, renewing their minds daily. Oh, dear God, help Christian families, uh, not only, Lord, uh, here, but around the world, Lord, to stand against this tide of darkness and to live as lights in the midst of a crooked generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in this text, and when we started uh, two sessions ago, we said we were gonna study three different 
principles with regard to um, how to overcome sin, how to defeat temptation. And the first one was that um, we should not merely flee from sin and say no to temptation, but we should also flee to righteousness, flee to God and say yes to him and obedience. Now we're going to look at a second principle, and it's this. We overcome sin by remembering something God sees and God judges. And I want you to think about that. God sees and God judges. No matter how much you believe that you are alone, you are never alone. Um, There's a doctrine called the omniscience of God. It means he knows everything. And he knows it exhaustively, immediately, perfectly. And so we hold this truth uh, in our hearts and in our minds, and it has a great way of protecting us from sin. So let's look for a moment at verses 21 through 23. Um, For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked and he will be held with the cords of his sin. He will die for the lack of instruction and in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. Verse 21, for the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord. Now, God sees absolutely everything. Now, I want you to think about something. There are things that uh, when we are in the presence of other people, we would not do. There are things that we might think that if we knew people could read our minds, we would not think them. So we have a reservation about uh, doing things that are wrong when others have knowledge of it. But now I want you to think about this. Those others who have knowledge of it, they're like us. They're 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 sinful. So just think about this. God not only has knowledge of absolutely everything, your deeds, your words, but your innermost thoughts. He not only has perfect knowledge, unlike everyone else, but he's also a perfect God. He's holy. And so you can see the great contrast. If we do not want fellow sinners to see us sin, how much less should we want a holy God who sees sin perfectly? to see us sin. Now, I I want us to look at a few things that are very important. First of all, God does judge. Now, what does that mean? That sinful actions, uh, they have consequences, and those consequences are not always just natural, you know? If uh, If you hit your finger with a hammer, you know, it is a natural consequence that your finger will probably swell up or bleed or turn purple. That's a natural consequence. But there's things beyond a natural consequence. It means the providence of God is working so that the consequence occurs. And throughout Scripture, we know that God judges sin. So I want us to look at a New Testament principle, if you want to turn there. It's in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. So let's just go there for a moment. Galatians chapter 6. It's in the New Testament, right after 2 Corinthians, and uh, right before Ephesians, chapter 6. And and look at 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. 
God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And this means that what we do has consequences. Now, beginning in verse 7, he says, don't be deceived. God is involved. There, there's a... There's a belief called theism or deism that that basically has the idea that God created the world and then he just kind of went away. He, he turned it over to natural cause uh, and effect and then he just went away. He's not really involved. That is not the New Testament view. God is involved and God judges people and nations. So he says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Don't think that you're ever going to do something and you're going to get away with it. Now, God is very gracious and kind, especially toward his people. But realize this sin is going to have a consequence, not simply because of natural forces. It's going to have a consequence because God is active in our lives. He said, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows. This he will also reap. All right. Now, there's a principle and, and you can see it in the natural world, can't you? Think about it. Um, you've got to take a test and um, one student studies for two weeks. Everything about that test. The other student doesn't study at all. One sowed to uh, uh, getting a good grade and the other one sowed to laziness. In the end, what happens? Well, the one who sowed to get a good grade gets a good grade. And the one who did absolutely nothing in class or to prepare for the test, most likely is going to do horrible. He can't blame anyone but himself. So we see this all throughout life. If, if you uh, don't take care of your body, it'll eventually fall apart. If you uh, eat all the time every kind of bad food imaginable, probably your health is going to be horrific and your weight gain is going to be tremendous. I mean, there are consequences that are natural, but we can take that over into the spiritual world and realize the same thing. Our consequences will have, um, or our, our deeds will have consequences, but they're not just natural. God is working. He can work in judgment. He can work in discipline. He can work in a way that is to condemn. He can work in another way in which to restore. But God is working. And there's a sense in which you should fear that. You should not mock it or think that it, it just doesn't exist. So he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Now, let me say one other thing here. It is so easy when we live in this material world to become quickly deceived that God's not that involved. For example, I, I'm sitting here, it's, uh, it's the last day of, of March, 2023. It seems like the nations are running wild, um, that there is sin, there is a flagrant disregard for God and God doesn't even appear in the picture. And yet, if you really study the situation, he is doing many things, many things that he promised to do in Scripture. He is he's saving the nations. 
but he's also judging certain nations. He's tearing some nation down. He's building some other nation. He's, he's uh, turning some nations over to reprobation and judgment. Even though to some, it would look like God's not even involved in the planet. To those who study the scriptures, they can see he is involved in the planet. Don't be deceived. Not only is God involved in the planet, the globe, nations, he's also involved in your life keenly. Keenly. So he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows. This he will also reap for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Now, this can have to do with our deeds. Uh, people who do sinful things will reap corruption and judgment. Sin leads to further sin. Remember what I said, you don't stay in one place. You're either spiraling down and becoming more and more given over to sin or you're spiraling up and you're giving yourself more and more to righteousness. But this means more than that. It's not just sowing with regard to what you do. It's kind of sowing with regard to what you put in you. If you're constantly uh, feeding your mind on Instagram and, and YouTube and, and, and things that you shouldn't watch, television programs and, and so many things that may not have an outward appearance of evil but are actually teaching false doctrine, giving you a false uh, view of the world. You're, in one way, you're sowing to yourself. And so if it's constantly you're watching carnal things and foolish things and worldly things and things that are in error with regard to the scripture, it's going to take root. You've sown to that and now it's going to bear fruit and the fruit is not going to be genuine spirituality, I can assure you. So he says, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption and the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Paul in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, he says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be pressed into the same mold that the world tries to put on everything, which is something contrary to God's nature and will. He said, but be renewed in your mind. So how can you sow in a way that it's gonna reap spiritual benefits? through the, the reading, the study, the memorization and meditation of scripture, through listening to sound teaching, sound exposition, uh, maybe reading good books, um, definitely prayer, definitely fellowship, fellowship within your family with maybe godly parents or a godly brother or sister, but also fellowship within the church. There are so many ways to sow um, so that you reap eternal and spiritual benefits. Now, I want you to look at something because it goes right along with the first principle. All right. So the second principle we're dealing with right now is one of the ways in which that helps us avoid falling into temptation is to realize that God sees and God judges. There's consequences. And those consequences are the result of God's providence. But there's remember our first principle that we not just... Um, run away from evil, but we run to righteousness. We not just stop doing evil, but we do righteousness. Look, it's amazing what Paul says here. After he talks about, you know, you reap what you sow, 
You need to avoid sowing to the flesh and doing evil things. Look what he says. Verse 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, what is he saying? Well, again, one of the best ways to um, avoid temptation or to overcome temptation and avoid it, to conquer sin, um, to avoid sowing to your flesh um, is to actually do stuff. And, and here, look what he says do. He says, uh, verse 9, let us not lose heart in doing good. So it's not just stop doing evil, it's do good. Spend your time doing the will of God and you're much less likely to fall into temptation that comes from idleness. And then in, in, in 10, he says, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith, especially to fellow believers. And so I want you to think about this. It's not just don't do evil things, but actually get involved in caring for other people and ministering to other people and blessing other people and serving other people. Because by doing that, you're not a that idleness that's a workshop for the devil and for temptation. So now let's go back to Proverbs chapter six. And uh, there's a few things that um, I want to emphasize here. And that is, first of all, that God is omniscient. And, and his judgment is perfect because his knowledge of what we're doing is perfect. He's omniscient. There is no place that you can go that he does not see. I heard a story years and years ago, and I don't know if it's just a, a story made up or it's true, about a young man who wanted this, uh, this girl to do something with him that was not appropriate at all. And she said, okay, I'll, I'll do what you want to do uh, if you can take me to a place where God can't see us. And um, she probably shouldn't have said that. She probably should have, well, definitely, she should have just run away and gone to her parents. But there's a point here. You see, there was no place that he could take her that God wouldn't see. Now, you say, well, that, that bothers me. Well, I want you to look at the doctrine of omniscience in two ways. For, for someone doing evil, the doctrine of omniscience is troubling. Because God sees your evil and God will judge the evil that he sees. But there's another sense in which the doctrine of omniscience is one of the most comforting doctrines that are uh, in the whole Bible. There is nothing that the believer is going to suffer Nothing that the believer is going to have to deal with that God does not have perfect knowledge of. He understands it completely. You know, sometimes you may have a problem and you're going to you run to a friend and you try to explain, I have this problem. Do you know the solution? And not only does your friend not have the solution, he can't even understand the problem. God understands the problem perfectly. As a matter of fact, he understands it far better than you do. That's why his answer for the problem is better than yours. 
it is a great comfort or a great uh, uh, disturbance, causes a great disturbance, the doctrine of omniscience, depending on really where you are. If, if you're a person who is not uh, trusting in Christ and your sins have not been paid for, they've not been covered by the blood of the lamb, then realize that every one of your sins is exposed before God. And that should that should put the fear of God in you and cause you to run to Christ for salvation. But also, if you're a Christian, you truly are a Christian, but you're you're stepping out of the path of righteousness. You need to know that you, God sees it. Now, is God going to judge you and send you to hell? No, but he will discipline you. Now, when he does discipline you, it's discipline in love. And discipline with perfect wisdom. He knows exactly what he needs to do to bring you back to the path. But, but, but realize this. He sees you and he's going to act. But then if you're a believer and you're going through terrible trials and you're suffering and it seems like no one can understand. Or maybe the things you're going through are inside. Fear, depression. And, and you try to go to someone, which you should. But they can't even completely understand. Isn't it a comfort to know that God understands? And according to the book of Romans, uh, when we don't even know how to pray as we should, the Holy Spirit that indwells us has searched us like a light and knows us and is able to intercede uh, for us. Uh, and that's an amazing truth. Um, I'll let you into a little secret uh, I consider this my my most powerful and comforting prayer. You know, sometimes working in missions and we're we're in many, many like 60 some nations where we work and a lot of those places, there's persecution and war, a lot of bad things happening. And sometimes I get up in the middle of the night and I, I just can't sleep. Uh, or maybe it's something I'm struggling with and I just can't sleep. It is a beautiful thing to be able to go down on my knees in the dark and look up to heaven and just say two words, you know, you know, what a comfort. God knows without even me having to say anything. Uh, he knows perfectly everything I'm going through or everything that uh, some believer that I know about it, that I'm worried he's in prison or whatever. God knows. God knows. Now, I, I want to return it back to sin. And I, I want to talk to you for a moment about something in Numbers 32, 23 that Moses warned Reuben and Gad about that if they broke their oath, if they sinned against God, he says, he says, but if you will not do so, if you'll not fulfill your oath that you made to God, he says, behold, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. You just can't cover it. You can cover it to people. You can hide your sin to people. Uh, but you can't hide your sin with regard to God. And, and you know what? Here, here, a young person is something that I really want you to see. Um, if you know that you've, you're really a sinner and you have no hope in self, yeah, that's, that's sad, but it can lead you to a great joy 
You're sitting there, you know you're a sinner. You know you can't keep the commands as you ought. And uh, you have the fear of God. But, but don't you know there's a Savior? And, and that reality that you're experiencing ought to cause you to run to Christ, who is powerful and willing to save. So the dread of knowing that God knows everything about you ought to cause you to run to God for mercy in his son, uh, Jesus Christ. And then if you are a Christian and, and you, you're struggling with a certain sin and you know that God knows it, well, then here's my question. Why don't you confess your sin? Why don't you just give it up and confess it? Because he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, a lot of times Christians, knowing that God knows everything, they commit a sin and they try to run as far away from God as they can get and they hide in the dark and cry. Well, let me tell you something. If you know you've sinned against God, tears are appropriate. There's nothing wrong with crying over your sin. But here's the problem. You ran in the wrong direction. Crying over your sin can be correct, but your sin should never cause you to run away from God and cry in the dark. It should cause you to run to God, jump in his arms and cry in his arms, knowing that he is faithful to forgive and to heal. All right. So this is very, very important. This is the principle. OK, we've gone over to uh, when you're faced with with sin, with temptation. One of the things is run away from it. But run to God and run to God's righteousness and start doing, practicing God's righteousness. The other is when we're confronted with sin. Um, you know how sometimes you you act better when people are watching? Well, there's a person who's always watching and that should have an impact on the way you live. So when you're confronted with temptation and sin, you should know God is watching and God will judge the unbeliever in their sin, but he will also discipline the believer in their sin. But that discipline always be assured it's because he loves his children. Now, in the next session, we're going to talk about a third principle and that is we overcome sin and we overcome temptation by realizing how harmful it is, how damaging it is. It does have terrible, terrible consequences. You know, as a minister, I have had to watch sometimes. I mean, over a period of 40 years, watch people disregard God's commands and suffer for it. You know, an old preacher once said, he goes, you don't really ever break God's law. God's law breaks you. And so we're going to talk about that third principle. We overcome sin by remembering the harmful and sometimes irreversible consequences of sin. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the young people that are and anyone, Lord, watching this video. And oh, I pray that they would fear you and that they would fear sin they would fear our own propensity to sin no dear God help us all in our weakness to run to Christ to run to Christ in Jesus name Amen